0: Hi there, Pastor Austin Vondrachek here. Thank you for joining us at Rosewood Church Online. My prayer for you is that this message will be used by God to bless, teach, and challenge you today. And whether you call Rosewood home and are catching up on a past message, or you're one of our many long-distance partners who tune in every week, would you consider giving back to support the ministries and missions of Rosewood Church? You can do so easily through our website rosewoodchurch.org. And if you're listening and you're local to the West Michigan area, we would love to have you in person when the time is right for you. Again, I pray this blesses you and helps you grow in your love of Jesus Christ. Uh, How is everyone doing today? Good, good. Um, I don't remember if I said this before, but my, my name's Austin Bondracek. Uh I'm one of the pastors here at Rosewood, and if this is your first Sunday with us, uh, we are in a series called The Emotions of God. We're looking at uh, the emotions of God not just to understand how God acts, how he feels feels, but because uh, we know that you can know a lot about a person if you understand their emotions and, and how they express uh, uh, those, those emotions. And so is the case with God, that this series really gives us a look uh, into his nature, the core of who God is. And certainly that is the case with today's topic. We are looking at love uh, together this morning. Um, when, I was, uh, when I was growing up, I worked at, uh, I, I had the pleasure of uh, being a part of a family that, that had a, a family business. And, and even before I was of age to work, I, I spent a lot of time there. It was a, it was a lumber company. And um, <clears throat> a, lot of, a lot of memories from, from uh, being there, a lot of very good memories uh, from being there. And since I was like a little kid, again, way before I was old enough to work, before I, I watched my, my dad work. And uh, when I became old enough to work, I never had, like, there was never, like, you know, hey, son, we're gonna do orientation now. Let me go through these things. Let me teach you these things. No, it, it wasn't necessary because I had spent years watching my dad work and I learned his ways and I learned how the business worked. It was, it was truly like on the job uh, training, subliminal on the job training uh, in a way. And, and what's interesting is so I learned from my dad. My dad learned from his dad, and his dad learned from his dad. I would have been fourth generation to be a part of, uh, of that, that uh, lumber company and, and that family business. And what's interesting is that Jesus kind of had a family business himself. He said that he was all about his father's business, that that was the most important thing of him. And he says, as, as we're going to look at today, we're going to see that Jesus' love, which is the model for our love, was not invented, it was imitated. It's not something that he created out of thin air that was original to Jesus. What he was doing, the way that he loved, the way he showed us to love, was an imitation of his father. We're going to be reading from uh, John 15 primarily. We're going to be jumping around a little bit in John and 1 John today. Uh, But rather than than the words being on the screen, uh, which is normal around here. Uh, Instead, uh, what you're going to see on the screen are um, kind of the movement of love as Jesus speaks, as recorded by John. We're going to see how Jesus describes the way that love is taught and passed down. For us to understand how it is we love and how God loves us. And so if you want to follow along or you want to reference it, you can use your own Bibles or the Bibles that are in the seats, but uh, uh, otherwise um, I'm going to read it to you here. Here's how it begins in verse 9. It says, "...as the Father has loved me," again, this is Jesus speaking, "...so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love." I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this: Love each other as I have loved you. There is no greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends, and if you do what I command, if you do what I command, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might uh, go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my, Father, in, the, in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. And this is our outline for today. As Jesus describes love and, and love of God and, and, and his love, obviously, what he's first describing is his father's love. He says, if you want to understand love, you've got to start with what I learned, the one whom I learned from, from the father. And, and this is kind of, in, in a way, it's not surprising because uh, for all of us, our first expression and understanding of what love is came from uh, those who, who raised us, right? For, for better or worse. Kids watch parents or caregivers to understand what it means to love your kids learned to love, are learning to love, or will learn to love someday based upon the example you provide. You are the first example of love and it becomes hardwired into us, ingrained into us from a very early age what love looks like and how love is is acted upon based upon the observations and the imitation of uh, those who raise us. Kind of scary, right? As parents, a little scary. The son does the same with the father. Inclu- it's, uh, or the son rather does as the father does, including love. Here, from John 5, it says, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and, and shows him all that he does. So if we're to understand Uh, how Jesus shows love, then we have to understand the love that he observed in his Father. I think that when, um, when many people think of God, God the Father, as revealed in the Old Testament, I think one of the problems here is that some of us, many of us, maybe you, the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of God as revealed in the Old Testament might not be love. We might use other words to describe it, but, but not love. Love might be something that reminds you of Jesus. But when it comes to the Old Testament, eh, some, w- some might say, at best, secondary. But other emotions might kind of lead the way when we have that, that, uh, that understanding. And, and you know what? People have, have struggled with this forever. I've struggled with this. Okay, We have writings as far back as the second century of people who actually... The way they made sense of this was they said, you know what? Jesus is the Christian God. And the God, the Father, God is revealed in the Old Testament. That is the, the Jewish God. And the way that they made sense of it, and again, this is the way I made sense of it for, for a time in my life when I didn't really know much about the Bible, especially the Old Testament. What I knew about the Old Testament was just what people told me. And I was like, all right. But I never, like, I never opened it up for myself. And, but what people kind of thought was two different gods. Kind of cleans it up, right? You've got the Jewish God, let him be angry. Then you got the the, the Christian God, well, let him be loving and full of grace. And that's one way of making sense of kind of this perceived uh, incontinuity between the two. However, there's a, a problem with this. The problem is Jesus and what he says. Because he says, I learned to love by watching what my father did. I learn by watching the Father. I learn by the, the things that we read about in the Old Testament. Jesus is there watching, learning, learning to imitate. So we can't just pass it off and say, "Oh, well, two different gods or whatever. They, you know, they're just different." No, no. Same God. And Jesus is learning from the Father. I have come to see over time and 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 the biggest part of this has been just honestly reading the Bible. Who would have thought reading the Bible might help you understand God, right? But but reading the Bible, opening up and discovering that the Old Testament is that the ark of the Old Testament bends towards love. The ark of the Old Testament bends towards love, and it's the way it was from the very beginning. In fact, I want to tell you the whole story of the Old Testament. Do you guys mind? You guys doing anything today? Yeah, we're gonna go through the whole thing. We're gonna go through the whole thing. Ready? So. In the beginning, right? Because that's how every story begins. In the beginning, God created everything. And and he just, just didn't create it. He created it perfect. He created it good. And when it was perfect, when it was good, when it was thumbs up, then he gave it to humanity, as the story goes to Adam and Eve. However, Adam and Eve sinned. And so they were separated from this perfect world that God created, that God gave to them as a gift out of love. And so they had to leave this perfect place. But as they left, God said to them, it will not always be this way. I'm going to make a way so that all of humanity will return to this place of Eden, to this place of peace, to this place of perfection and harmony. With God, and so as the story continues, God then picks another couple. Uh, we know them today as as Abraham and Sarah. And Abraham and Sarah, they have no children, no descendants, and they're very old. And God says to them, "Through your descendants, you will your your." Your family will be the light of the world. You will be my people. You will be my ambassadors here on earth. And, and so, so Abraham and Sarah, they, ha- they have a child. And then that, that child eventually becomes a family. And that family becomes an extended family. And the extended family become tribes. And the tribes become a nation that becomes the, the, the light of the world. The, the representatives of God on earth to proclaim his goodness and justice to the entire world world. And to these people, to God's people, he gives them 613 laws. And these laws are enabled to enable them to live in harmony with God and also with love one another. But even among those 613, that's a lot, right? And so he brings them down. He says, respect the 613, right? But also, let me give you 10 commandments. Let me give you the pocket edition. You, This is something you can remember. But also, like, That's still a lot to remember. So God goes even further and he says, look, how about this? I'll give you two. Let me sum up the whole thing with two commands. Love God and love other people. You do these things and all of the laws, 613 laws, and everything that the prophets have said, all of my words, you can bring down these two commands. Love God and love others. And then we'll be on the right page here. And now you might think, okay, a God, yeah, God of love, given rules, right? That sounds like a real loving thing. That's just, you know, let me roll the dice and find a different God that's going to give something better than rules. Here's the thing, though, about the rules that sometimes we forget. Is that the the rules, the the law, was given to God's people uh, after they already were in relationship, in a covenant relationship with God. So the rules uh, were not uh, the, the rules confirmed an existing relationship. They were not a condition for that relationship. Yet even with 613, then 10, then 2, they still struggled. They still struggled to be committed to that. They still struggled to love God and love others, but let's be honest, we can't judge them because it's hard for us, too to love God and to love others. And so they were disobedient and they broke the law and, and, and God, they were given to them to have harmony with one another and with God and so naturally as they, they break these laws they lose harmony with one another and with God and as a consequence of this they are taken in to exile and while they're in exile they're, 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 they, they eventually at some point they repent, they call out to God they want to have this harmony and these, and these blessings back and, and God who, through the whole exile and every time they're arrested and taken away and taken out of their land, God never, ever, ever forgets them. He hears them and he sends a leader to rescue them out of that exile and bring them back to the promised land where there they discover again, they relearn the lesson over and over and over and over again that obedience is leads to freedom. And all the while, all through this entire Old Testament story, God is whispering this name. He is injecting this idea within the text and within his people that there will be one who will come later who he calls the Messiah. One who will rectify all of